Hello, Summit Church family. Hey, welcome to our Sunday service, April 5th, right here in the great city of Fenton, Missouri. And uh, this, of course, is Palm Sunday. And next week's Easter. Just think about that. We're already up on Easter Sunday. And, uh, uh, of course, I want you to remember that this week we'll have a midweek service for you. I've got, I'm going to start something special. Pastor Diane, she's been putting up videos to encourage you during the week. She's gonna, she put one up already. She's going to keep doing that. And uh, hey, this Friday at 7 p.m., we're going to have an online Good Friday communion service. So get ready for that. It'll be this Friday, 7 p.m. So get your juice, get your, get your bread, and we're going to have a Good Friday communion service this Friday, 7 p.m., right here online. It's going to be great. And uh, so anyway, having said all of that, um, I just want to uh, remind you that God has prepared us as a church for this trying time that we're in right now with this physical separation and this coronavirus thing that's going on. Uh, he prepared us for this uh, ahead of time. God is ready for it. And uh, he told us, among other things, he told us not to fear and to P-P-O-C. Remember what that means. Put pressure on our covenant, the covenant that we have with God. A covenant of salvation, a covenant of healing, and a covenant of provision. So let's be sure that we keep, keep pressure on that covenant, okay? Hey, I wanted to, uh, to get into the message for today with a, uh, a, a prophecy that actually my wife uh, handed me this earlier this week. And uh, uh, this was given, it's reported to be, ha to, to be having given by David Wilkerson. Now, he's a true man of God. He, he was a, a true prophet, a true watchman, a really, really for real uh, man of God, a uh, true prophet. You know, there's not a lot of true prophets in the land. There's a lot of people that say they are and, and aren't. But this guy was, he was the real deal. He's in heaven now, but, uh, but, but this is a prophecy that he gave uh, back. He gave this, this prophecy, God gave this to him back in 1986. So that's, I believe, about 34 years ago. You know, I like prophets that prophesy things ahead of time. Uh, I don't listen too much to prophets, supposed prophets that start prophesying after an event. Uh, I like to listen to prophets that prophesy something ahead of time. And uh, he, listen to this, very interesting. He said this back in 1986. He said, I see a plague coming on the world and the bars, churches, and government will be shut down. You think about that. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Think about that. A true prophet of God gave this in 1986, and it's, it's so, so powerful, I want to read it again. He said, I see a plague coming on the world. The bars, churches, and government will be shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers 
into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Powerful. You can see it's, it's just, I mean, cold-blooded, accurate. It's cold-blooded, accurate prophecy. Now, uh, as I've thought about this prophecy, uh, he says repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And I was personally blessed when I read this because I've been feeding you some at church. I've been feeding you among many other topics that we talk about, but I've been feeding you a steady message of repentance over the last many years. And uh, so it just blessed me that, that uh, when I read, read what he said there, he said, repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And, uh, and, and then, of course, he talked about a third great awakening. And as I've meditated, meditated on this, you know, it seems to me, it seems to me that this third great awakening is going to depend on, on two things. It's going to depend on men and women of God in pulpits, the pulpits of America, to preach a message of repentance. And for believers who have become lukewarm or even cold spiritually, to get back in their Bibles, back praying, and back in, in, into church. And if those two things the lukewarm Christians to, to wake up and the men and women of God to stand in pulpits and not preach flowery sermons, but preach a message of repentance. That if those two things happen, I believe that we can go in and have a third great awakening that will not only sweep this country, but sweep the world. So I want to talk a little bit about repentance you know, people typically don't like to hear that they need to repent. But you know, repentance is not a dirty word. It, 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 it's a word that this nation needs to hear in this hour. It's not a dirty word. It's one of the greatest words in the Bible. It means to have a change of heart or a change of mind. It means to turn away from sin and turn to God. And, and it's, it's such a great word. It's such a great Thing, repentance, because it, it, it gives a person an opportunity to change and avert the judgment of God. You know, God's attitude in, in you know, when, whenever you hear a message of, uh, of impending judgment or a call to repentance, you, you always need to remember this. It's not God being mean. It's Him being good. Because God... We'll, we'll, we'll have a man or a woman of God rise up when a nation needs to repent or a group of people need to repent because they've gotten off the right track. They've gotten over into sin. And, and sin will draw the judgment of God, but God doesn't want to judge people, so he'll raise a man or a woman up uh, and have them preach a message of, of repentance. Hey, judgment is coming if you don't repent. And it's his goodness when he does that because... He wants people to turn. He wants people to change so that he doesn't have to judge them. Actually, repentance is the first message 
that a sinner must hear. Even before faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it talks about faith toward God, but before it says faith toward God, it talks about repentance from dead works. You see, God cannot be approached without a repentant heart. Now, in the Bible, repentance is not just a message to sinners. Certainly, uh, it is a message to sinners to get them to repent, turn from their sinful lifestyles, turn to Jesus, believe on him, and get saved, miss hell, make heaven. But repentance is also seen in the Bible as a message that's preached to God's people because oftentimes God's people get off track as well. And again, a message of repentance, I just want to reiterate this, it, it, it's given because when people get off track, if there's no change, then the judgment of God will come. You know, God is a good God. But the Bible also talks about not only his goodness, and it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, but the Bible also talks about his severity. And we need to understand that. If all you ever hear are messages of God's you know, goodness, 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 and flowery messages all the time, then, then and that's what's happened, I believe, here in this nation. And, and, and there's no fear of God really before this nation's eyes anymore. And... Uh, and the goodness messages are, are good, but if that's all you hear, it, it leads to looseness and lackadaisicalness and lukewarmness. But there's a severity of God also. Now, if all you hear are messages, uh, messages of severity, then you get, a false, you get a false view of God to think that he's an old meanie, and he's not. We stress the goodness of God. But let's don't ever forget that there is a judgmental side to him also. And... The reason he wants repentance is that if there's no change, then, then he'll have to judge. And, 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 and a message of repentance and, and, and the judgment of God, now I don't believe that he sent this coronavirus, but I do believe that he can use it as an occasion to wake people up, to get their attention, to get people to repent. And when there's repentance, then judgment stops. And that's what God ultimately wants. You know, I was thinking about uh, the prophets of the Old Testament, uh, particularly the ones that have books named after them. The Holy Spirit used them to write the book. And uh, I thought I might take a few moments uh, just to highlight some of these. Actually, I want to try to cover just briefly all of the, what's called the canonical prophets, prophets that have a book named after them, and see what their messages were to God's people and to the nations, the, those that didn't believe in God. First of all, Obadiah. He, he preached and, and, and his message had to do with there was a lack of brotherly love amongst God's people and pride had arisen. And he he called people to repent of that. And then Joel, uh, a lot of people are familiar with Joel, and he's known as the prophet of Pentecost. You know, Peter referred to him on the day of Pentecost. You know, these are not drunken as ye suppose, and so forth. But you also need to realize that Joel preached some other things, and he had a strong message of repentance to God's people, and he was crying them and the people of that day to awake 
out of spiritual indifference. I believe the United States has fallen into a lot of spiritual indifference. Now, not everybody, but, but, but I'd say, say most, certainly. Even in, 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 the, in the, the, so many churches, it's spiritual indifference. And Joel rose up by the Holy Spirit and preached uh, to the people to awaken out of that spiritual indifference. Now, Jonah, we talked about him last week, him and Nahum. Jonah preached to unbelievers. He preached to Nineveh and called them to repentance. And, of course, Nahum rose up sometime after Jonah, and now he preached a, a message of judgment to Nineveh. Remember, Nineveh repented. God didn't judge them, but they didn't maintain that repentance, and ultimately God had to judge them. And we talked about that in the message last week, so you can go back and check that out. But then there's Hosea. Now Hosea, he preached to the people uh, concerning their unfaithfulness, and he called them to come back and be faithful to God. And in Hosea, you see God's unfailing love for an unfaithful people. Don't ever forget this. God's always faithful. Even when we're not faithful to him, he remains faithful to us. But, but, but uh, Hosea had a message of repentance. Amos, now he's very interesting. He preached, now listen to this, that religion and morality are inseparable. He said that worship apart from holiness is an abomination to God. And I want you to just, I want to read a few verses here from Amos, the fifth chapter, 21st verse. Here's what God said to the, to the people of that day, his people. He said, I hate and despise your religious feasts. I cannot stand your assemblies. Think about that. God's saying, I don't like your church services. He said, even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I'll not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I'll have no regard for them. He said, away with the noise of your songs. Think about that. He said, I'll not listen to the music of your harps. And then he says this. God says, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. You see, if we show up for church and our hearts aren't right toward God and we're not living right before him, then our worship to him is just a bunch of noise. And he doesn't even like us to get together for church services like that. And that's what was happening in Amos's day. And God rose this prophet up to cry out, you know, uh, to the people to say, hey, hey, start living right during the week. Don't just live right on Sunday, but live right Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then when you come on Sunday, and, you know, of course, I know they did it on Saturday back then, but you get my point. Hey, live right during the week. Not just, not just one day of the week. Live right every day. And then when you do come together to worship, God will receive it. But you see, you see, uh, I, and I'm sure a lot of people got mad at that. Didn't like that. There's probably some people got mad at Amos and no telling what, what they, they did to him. But uh, men of God are not always popular. Typically, they're not very popular. But uh, they have the message that the people need to hear. And so he called them to repentance. Also, it's interesting in Amos that Israel at that time was secure from outside enemies and they were living in luxurious conditions. Now, don't ever forget this. God wants to bless you financially. He just don't, doesn't want the finances to have a hold of you. And you can overdo it with finances and preach on it too much. 
and uh, there in Israel, they'd become secure. They were living luxuriously. Their, their attitude was eat, drink, and be merry. And that had even gotten into their, their worship services. And uh, God warned them about that. And they also had this idea that, that because they were God's chosen people, they could live however they wanted and judgment would never happen to them. And Amos rose up and cried out against that and, 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 and said, hey, you, you have to repent of this. And uh, it's interesting, Amos brought out this theme. He said to the people back then, the people of God, to whom much is given, much is required. And uh, since he said that since so much light had been given to, to Israel, that their judgment, if they didn't repent, would be more severe. And, you know, I believe that's very possibly true of the United States. You know, we have so much light in the Word of God and churches on every corner and stacks of Bibles in our churches that a lot of times just sit there with, with dust on them, you know, and Bibles in people's houses with dust on them. And we've been given so much light that... Uh, They'd been given so much light in Israel, they thought, they thought judgment could never happen to them. But it did, because they didn't repent. And they were judged more severely than the nations because they had that light and they didn't walk in it. But, of course, Amos ended on a positive note, and he talked about future restoration. See, a man or a woman of God will always come, I'd say 99.99% of the time, will have two messages in their mouth. They'll have a message. If the, if the, now, if the people are all living right, doing good, it'll be a message of, of blessing. But if the people aren't doing right, there'll be a message of repentance and, and judgment and then a message of blessing. Two things in a man or woman of God's mouth, a message of repentance and a message of blessing upon repentance. If you have somebody come and they only have one message, a message of repentance and judgment all the time, I wouldn't listen to a person like that. Conversely, or in the same way, I wouldn't listen to a, 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 a minister that all they have is flowery words in their mouth all the time. And that's all they ever preach. A real man or a woman of God will have both. The repentance and blessing upon repentance. Now, as we move along Isaiah, many great verses in Isaiah, he prophesied about the virgin birth and all of that. But the first part of his book had to do with God's approaching judgment. And it was a message of repentance. And, uh, and then the second part of his book had to do with, with comfort upon repentance. It's interesting, Isaiah brings out that God's act of judgment is an unusual act. Now, what, what, what do we get out of that? See, as you look at God, he... He, he doesn't want to judge. He doesn't want to judge people. He doesn't want to do that. And again, I'm not saying the coronavirus is God's judgment. I am saying that he, I believe he's using it to get our attention. And, uh, but, it, but judgment in the Bible is, is an unusual act of God. Now, now, now you see him judging people, but it's only when they won't repent after they've been warned. See, God always warns before he judges. And he gives a lot of time to repent. You see that through the Old Testament and the New Testament. He gives space to repent. But it's an unusual act in that, you know, he doesn't just, you know, go around judging, judging, judging. No, God goes around blessing, blessing, blessing. But, but sometimes he has to judge. He always warns first. But if there's no repentance, ultimately 
He'll judge. And even when that judgment comes, it's to get people to repent so he can stop the judgment. Okay? So anyway, let's go on now. Micah. Micah, now, you know, he gave that prophecy that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But he also cried out against a sin, against idolatry. You know, it's so easy to put things ahead of God. That's what idolatry is. See, we think of idolatry as bowing down to some some golden calf or something like that. But And that is idolatry, of course. But idolatry is putting anything ahead of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we become idolaters. And Micah cried out against idolatry. He cried out against corrupt leaders, against... Uh, in the political arena and in the religious arena. And then, of course, he showed that upon repentance, uh, Israel would, would experience restoration. There it is again, that message of repentance and restoration, a mark of a true man or a woman of God. Um, now, Zephaniah... Zephaniah... Oh, and by the way, on Micah, I just have to say this. He prophesied the doom of Samaria. That was the capital of Israel and the doom of Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. See, a lot of times people think, well, we're God's people and, 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 and he'll never judge us. You know, I've heard people say, well, the United States was, was, was founded, you know, and brought about for God. And it was, and this is a Christian nation and it started out that way. And but the United States has slipped away from, from, from the Lord. But I've heard people say, well, God had never judged us. He never judged the United States because, you know, we started out on, on Christian principles, which we did. But, you know, God judged Israel, and they were his chosen people. And if God judged them, he'll do it to us if we don't repent. Now, Zephaniah, interesting with him, this was, this was, was kind, of, kind of an exception because all he had in his mouth was severe judgment. But it was at the midnight hour. It was right before God's judgment fell and, and, and God sent him out to warn the people, repent, 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 because severe judgment is coming if you don't. And uh, he gives some of the most vivid pictures of God's judgment in the Bible and, uh, and so forth and so on. But, but he has three chapters and, and uh, in those three chapters, he gives God's method of operation in dealing with, with judgment. First, and I've said this already, but repetition is the seed of learning. He gives chapter 1, warning of impending severe judgment. And then chapter 2, a call to repentance. And then chapter 3, promise of restoration on that repentance. So again, God's MO is he warns, he warns, he warns, he warns. And, and he calls folk to repent, repentance. And if they repent, then... He doesn't judge. But if they don't repent, then God has no other choice. And then Jeremiah, you know, he was a prophet of Judah's, Judah's darkest hour because during his ministry, Jerusalem fell captive to the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, they went into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And it's interesting, the root of that was because, and other things we could say, but many things we could say, but the 70 years had to do with they didn't honor God's Sabbath. And you think about it, uh, I go out now, uh, during the day, you know, I'll go out and take my run here in the neighborhood, and you know, it's deader than a doornail out there. And I, I've said for years, 
that, uh, you know, Sunday has become like every other day. You know, back when I was a kid growing up, Sundays, you know, deader than a doornail. The other six days of the week, things were going on, you know, but Sunday is deader than a doornail. But over the last decade or so, couple of decades, we see Sunday here in the United States no different than any other day. And I've mentioned this to y'all at Summit Church many times. I pointed that out. It's interesting now, not only are Sundays back like they used to be, but every day is deader than a doornail out there. I know something that I draw from that is, let's give God what's his. Let's honor him on Sunday every day, but let's, let, you know, Sunday, let's honor him. But you see, the people of Israel didn't do that. The people of, uh, of Judah, you know, they didn't do that. They didn't honor God in the Sabbath. And, 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 and so they went into 70 years of captivity because of it. And uh, now Jeremiah was God's final attempt to save Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and, and he uprooted, the Bible said, and tore down. He destroyed and overthrew and, and, and talking about Jeremiah. And then he built and he planted. You know, you see this in a, in a true man or a woman of God. They'll, they'll, they'll come along and they'll, they'll, they'll uproot and tear some things down, some bad doctrines, bad habits, bad things. They're in your life that shouldn't be there. Now, they don't tear you down, but things in your life that, that are hurting you, they'll tear those things down. A lot of people don't like that. A lot of people walk away from men and women of God that do that, that preach messages that will tear things out of your life that shouldn't be there. A lot of times, folk will walk away from that. They'll find them a minister that'll tell them what they want to hear. But you know, you need to have a minister that'll that'll tear some things down in your life that shouldn't be there. And then we'll build and plant and, 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 and encourage and build up things that should be there. And that's what Jeremiah did. He's known as the weeping prophet. He ministered with tears in his eyes and fire in his bones. I believe that's what we need here in the United States in this hour. We need men and women of God that will minister with tears in their eyes. What do, what do I mean by that? Compassion. But fire in their bones, not afraid to say what God is saying, even when it's not welcomed by the people. His message, Jeremiah's message was rejected. The king burned, the king burned his prophecies. But that didn't change the prophecies. He just gave them again. He wound up in a, in, in a cistern. They threw him in a cistern. They didn't like him very much. And you know, false prophets arose and they'd tell the people in Jeremiah's day, they told the people what the people wanted to hear even while the, 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 the nation was, was in deep sin. These prophets say everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay when it wasn't going to be okay. One of them was Hananiah. And see, Jeremiah was saying 70 years of captivity, but Hananiah, he said, no, only going to be two, only going to be two years, only going to be two. Well, of course, people like to hear that. But Jeremiah said, putting it in my own words to the people, brace for impact. Brace for impact. And of course, Jeremiah, his prophecies were correct. It's interesting as you study Hananiah, that false prophet, he came to a terrible end. 
the one that was telling the people wanted what they wanted to hear all of the time that wouldn't speak the word of the Lord, he came to a terrible end. You know, Jeremiah pointed out two of Judah's sins, that they'd forsaken God and that they essentially put in my own words that they found their own thing. I'll, here's what he says in Jeremiah 2.13. He said, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. They, they forsook the water of life. They forsook God to go out and get, do their own thing, get their own well. well I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't want my own well. I want to drink out of God's. Of course, he prophesied of judgment. Judgment came. They also talked about Israel's restoration. And then a few more of these, Habakkuk. Now Habakkuk, God showed Habakkuk, the prophet, that he was going to judge his people at the hands of the evil Babylonians. And Habakkuk didn't understand that. And he questioned God in a good way. And, you know, I, I don't understand all about God's judgments and how they all work and why he does what he does and all. I don't understand all of it either. But you know what God told Habakkuk when he didn't understand why God was doing what he was doing? Much we could say about it, but he said this. He told, God told Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. So I want to encourage you, even if you don't understand all of what's going on right now, and know this, keep your faith in God. And let's continue to live by faith and we'll make it through. And then, of course, Daniel. Oh, boy, Daniel. And much we could say about him, but I want to bring this out to you. We're talking about how we see judgment preached by, uh, judgment and repentance preached by God's uh, prophets. Daniel, what happened there was the king, they had a drunken party. And they took the utensils that, was, that were used in, in, in the temple of God, they pulled them out of storage, so to speak, and they started drinking and getting drunk and all of that using the utensils from the holy temple. And that's when the king saw the handwriting on the wall. And he couldn't interpret it. They called for Daniel, and he interpreted, interpreted it. And he said, he said, you've been weighed in the balance, king. And you've been found wanting. And that night, that king lost his kingdom and his life. You know, things can change very quickly. Things can change on a dime. Think about what's happened in our nation, how fast things have changed. God can do things or use things to change things just that quick. He wants our attention. He wants us to consider our ways and repent. Ezekiel, he preached a message of repentance. Haggai, consider your ways. I just mentioned it. Haggai, Haggai, however you want to say it. The people had built their own houses instead of the house of God. Nothing wrong with having your own house built and having it nice, but they neglected the house of God and he cried out against that. Have your own house, have a nice house, but be sure you're investing in the house of God and keeping it first. You keep God's house first and he'll take care of yours. 
And then now here's one, Zechariah. Uh, now here, here's kind of an exception to the rule. He's known as a cheerleading prophet. See, he came along at a time when this, this was after Israel came out of Babylonian captivity. They'd returned to Jerusalem. They were rebuilding. And there was, there were, the people weren't in sin. They were rebuilding, trying to get back on track. And, and, but, but a lot of folk were beating them down. And see, these people that he ministered to didn't need a message of repentance. They needed encouragement. And see, Zechariah rose up. Now, much he gave so many prophecies and so many things we could talk about. But for this message today, see, he was a, 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 a prophet that preached uh, with, with a, a cheer, he was a cheerleader. You know? But again, it all depends on what the people are doing. If the people aren't living right, then it's a message of repentance. If the people are living right, then it's a message of blessing. So that's what Zechariah did. And then finally, Malachi, you know, when you turn to Malachi, it usually has to do with the, with the tithe. But it's interesting, as you study Malachi, he rebuked the priest's corruption. He rebuked the people for bringing offerings with blemishes. Think about that. When they bring their sacrifices, they bring crippled animals and blind animals and so forth to present to God. Think about that. They were bringing their junk to God. And God had Malachi rise up and preach and, 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 and speak against that to try to get the people to repent. God doesn't want our junk he wants our best. He gave us his best in Jesus. Let's give him our, our best. What do you say? And there were other things Malachi rebuked, such as loose morals and so forth. And so, then there were about 400 years that came and went, called the silent years. And then we see John the Baptist arise. And you know what his message was when he came on the scene? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So there was a message, message of repentance in John's mouth. Then our Lord himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, he begins his public ministry. And listen to what he says. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. See, before the believing the gospel comes, there must be a true heartfelt repentance. But the first message of the Lord, Jesus himself was that of repent. And then it's interesting, when he sent out the 12 to minister, the Bible says they went out and preached that the people should repent. You know, I was thinking about Luke, the 16th chapter, when Jesus talked about that rich man that went to hell, you know, the rich man and Lazarus. Remember that? Luke 16. And uh, that rich man, he went to hell not because he was rich, but because he neglected God. And he's in hell, and it's interesting. He was talking to Abraham, who, by the way, was a rich man. And he wasn't in hell. He was over in, in paradise. And uh, the reason Abraham didn't go to hell is because that he believed God. And God accounted it for righteousness. But that rich man didn't believe God. His money distracted him. He died and went to hell. And he was in torments. And he wanted Abraham to send Lazarus, the beggar that used to lay at his gate when he was still alive, back to the earth to preach to his brothers. 
And it's interesting that, I mean, somebody that's in hell ought to know what we have to do to stay out of hell. And it's interesting, he said, he said to Abraham, he said, send Lazarus back to the earth. Send him to my father's house, to my brothers, that they might, listen to this, that they might repent. See, repentance must precede faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is so important. And then as you go in to the seven churches of Revelation, there were seven churches there. Two of them needed no repentance. All, the, all God the, gave them, the Lord Jesus gave them, was messages of encouragement and so forth. But five of them needed to repent. And, and, and just listen to some of the things they needed to repent of. This I'm talking about church people now. They lost their first love. When I say church people, I'm talking about boarding. Now, you could argue whether all these people are saved or not, but he's talking to his church. So here's what he had to say, Jesus, to his church. Here's some of the things he told them to repent of. They lost their first love. They were not as fervent for Jesus anymore. They'd gotten into idolatry. They were putting things ahead of the Lord. Sexual immorality. Hypocrisy. There was a deadness that he, he rebuked them about. Perhaps they, weren't let, they were not letting the Holy Spirit move in their services anymore. Perhaps their churches were more about entertainment than they were about the doctrines of the Bible. He told them to repent. He told them to repent of being lukewarm. And then he also told one of them, he said, he said, you, you, you say you're rich and you become wealthy and have need of nothing, but don't you know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Nothing wrong with prosperity. I believe in prosperity, but it shouldn't be the central thing that we focus on. We shouldn't be talking more about prosperity than we're talking about Jesus. Listen, friends, this is not a time for messages of of entertainment, messages of, of making people laugh and entertaining them and, and telling them how they can, you know, have more wealth and this, that, and the other. This is a time for messages of repentance and a time for the people of God to respond to those messages. And again, as Jesus closes out there to the churches of Revelation, he says this, he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. See, so when he's rebuking you, when he's chasing you, chastening you, hey, it's because he loves you. He really does. And he says, be zealous and repent. That's what he wants us to do. Repent so he doesn't have to judge us. And I believe the message of repentance must be preached in the United States at this time. To the sinner and the saint alike. As I said before, with tears in our eyes, with a heart of compassion, and with fire in our bones, saying what God once said. And I believe the nation, starting with lukewarm Christians and then sinners, must repent and turn to God. And you'll know that when you see a broken heart among people. David said that a sign of repentance was a broken and a contrite heart. You know, Peter denied Jesus three times and he went out and wept bitterly. True repentance is a broken heart, a weeping of heart, a humbling of oneself, 
and as John the Baptist said, uh, bringing forth a changed lifestyle. A changed lifestyle. And repentance is perhaps evidenced best in the prodigal son, you know, he left daddy's house and wound up in the pig pen. And I just have to be honest, much of the United States lies in this spiritual pig pen. And the United States must come to its senses like the prodigal son in that pig pen came to his senses. I've been saying for years now that the judgment of God is pending on this nation. A lot of people have gotten upset with me for saying that, but that's what the word of the Lord is, I believe. It's time that this nation welcome God the Father, the Son, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit back in to the public square and into the public school. It's time that the Bible be welcomed back into the public school. It's time to stop legalized abortion. It's time to recognize God's law of marriage and only his law of marriage is that between a man and a woman as a husband and a wife. I'm calling the United States to repent and change these things with a broken and a contrite heart and a change that lasts. And then the prodigal son, he arose and he went to his father. He repented, not just in word but in deed. He said, he said, I'll say to my father, I've sinned. You know, the Bible says if we confess our sins, God's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we judge ourselves, we not be judged. And the father welcomed him back. Let me close by saying this. It's not too late for the United States to repent. The prophet Joel that we spoke of earlier Joel chapter 2, verse 12 in the Amplified Bible. Listen to this. The Lord says, Turn to me now with all your heart, even at this late hour. Think about that. Even at this late hour, while there's still time to repent. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning until every hindrance is removed and the broken fellowship is restored. So it's not too late. We can repent. So just to summarize why I preach this message, I wanted you to see from the Word of God that God's ministers don't just always preach flowery messages. Sometimes they do. But very often, it's a message of repentance, a message of judgment to get God's people to repent so God doesn't have to judge them. And then I showed you here at the end of this message what real repentance is, the evidences of it, that broken and contrite heart, and that the United States needs to come back to God to a time of repentance. And remember what David Wilkerson said, what God gave him that prophecy in 1986. I want to just reiterate, it's so important that at this time, Men and women of God stand up with tears in their eyes and fire in their bones and call lukewarm Christians back to Christ 
And as men and women of God preach that message, and as lukewarm Christians get back to it, get back to, get back to God, get back to church, get back in their Bibles, get back to prayer, that out of those two things, that preaching of repentance and that repentance on lukewarm Christians' parts, I believe can spark that third great awakening that he was talking about that can sweep this nation and sweep the world. I believe it's possible. I trust this was a blessing to you today. Hey, let's close by me saying this. If you're out there and you don't know Jesus is your Savior, repent and invite him into your, into your life and then serve him the rest of your life. If you're out there and you're a Christian, you knew God, you walk with him, but you got away from him, repent and, and come back to him and he'll receive you. He'll take you right back and go on then and serve him. And then, of course, I call the nation to repentance. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings now. I know we're not physically in person to do that. So if you'd like to, to do so, we have online giving. We have text to give. And you can send a check if you so desire using the P.O. box. And all the information will be on your screen or there somewhere on your screen for you to read. It's on our website at summitchurch.us. And don't forget today's Mission Sunday. So remember our missionaries. It's important that we don't neglect uh, them in this time. So I love y'all. And uh, I, I want to close with prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and mercy. I trust that this message has ministered to those who have heard it. Sir, I meant it to be a blessing. And sir, I just, I just ask that you would raise up men and women of God to stand in the pulpits, but now it's on, on, the, on, the, on the internet. But to stand on the internet, what a, what, in some ways, just, just, just think about this. Think about this. That, that now, men and women of God that otherwise wouldn't have been seen can now be seen. Over the internet, on Facebook, YouTube, and other means. And Father, I pray that, that they preach a message of repentance. A repentance to this nation. And that it falls on the ears of those that have become lukewarm, that will turn back to you. And as a result, Father, I just believe you that as those two things happen, that this nation can go into a time of revival and that it can sweep not only this nation, but the world. So I thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. And everybody that agreed with that can say amen. Hey, I love you. I'll see you again here midweek. I got something special we're going to start up. God bless you. Bye-bye.